everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in DevOps. This week on our panel, we have Jeff Groman. He's hey, being real quiet. I'm great. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And I'm just going to shout out about two things I'm working on real quick. One is I'm working on a most valuable developer course to help you kind of be that go-to person on your team. You can find that at mostvaluable.dev. And I'm also working on a podcasting course. And you can find out more about that at podcastplaybook.co. We have a special guest this week, and that's Guinevere Sanger. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. Hey, folks. One of the things that I find that really makes a difference for people being happy in their job is working in a place that makes a difference. And there's a terrific company out there that's looking to hire full-stack developer just like you, and that's Faithlife. Their average tenure is five years. I mean, five years, that's forever in developer years. Usually I see people changing jobs every one to two years. People are sticking around because they're great. They have a great values-based culture and they are hiring developers in the United States. They're looking for full-stack developers who can do C-sharp or JavaScript on the back end and React on the front end. Go check them out at devchat.tv slash faithlife. That's devchat.tv slash faithlife. I'm, I'm kind of curious how much time you spend working with internal customers, I guess I should make sure that I make that distinction when we talk about customers. But how much time do you spend, you know, troubleshooting, coaching, helping, you know, chatting with your customers, internal customers versus writing tooling and, you know, building some of these other things that help manage the infrastructure deployment and things like that? More than I'd like. I do enjoy working with people. I do enjoy sharing our tooling. We have grown a lot recently. And so we've had to shoulder a fair bit of onboarding burden for Mm -hmm. some people who just have never seen this way of working with their operations teams, with their infrastructure teams, I should say, right? They're used to having an ops team. They're used to just like, here, here's a package. Here's here's a tarball, please ship it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we we aren't about that. We are about fast iteration, owning your own deployments, seeing the changes seconds after you commit them. So, and and that's a good part, right? And the difficult part is like, now everyone is an ops engineer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a big club. (laughs) So in that sense, I've had to do a, a lot of onboarding and, you know, holding hands and they're there. No, it's really fine. I promise you it's fine. No, really just, just deploy it. It's, it's fine. You're not going to break things. You're not going to break anyone else's things. It's, it's there for you. You have your own namespace. You're not going to affect anyone else. So I'm hoping that with better streamlined onboarding processes, which we're totally working on. And that again, is like one of the outcomes of like, we're seeing these trends. Can we adjust our people processes to better fit our technology processes, right? Right. Uh, We need people to learn how to do this and we need to do it in a way that makes more sense because we don't have a trickle of like 15 new hubbers every couple of months. We have a lot more than that. We have like entire teams coming on and joining the company, right? So again, that's, that's a thing 
we have to do. I think I sort of lost track of your question. Would you be so kind and turn and I, yeah, what I asked was how much time do you spend working with people on the processes versus working on the tools and the processes? Yeah, right now I would say I spend about 20% of my time giving support of this kind directly to people. My team's been understaffed for a while, and this is something we're actively addressing and working on. Again, it works on a smaller scale when it's always the same people with similar questions, but when it's different people with similar questions, again, now we need to automate. And sometimes yep. that means write better docs. And in in one of my solutions was, hey, you know what? I'm just going to present a video walkthrough of what it means to deploy with our platform of how to do that. The basic walkthrough and uh, people really liked it. It was well-received. So Nice. Um, it's interesting because I'm having flashbacks. My first job out of college, I wound up running a support team and yeah, trying to get the company to let us write docs on, hey, you got this error, here's how to fix it. Or, hey, you know, make sure that this is happening and this is happening and this isn't happening. And yeah, it was always interesting just to see how that balance was struck between that and, you know, some of the, yeah, some of the res automatic responses that were, you know, sent out and things like that. So yeah, we've, we've thought about having automatic responses, but I still fully believe that the reason our tool is so popular is because not only does it work at least 80% of the time, like we don't hear from a ton of our customers other than a recent review uh, of like, yeah, your platform is awesome. We love it. So, and the ones we do hear from generally tend to have good experiences as well. And mm -hmm. again, so this is maybe a personal preference, but I really love working with people. In my yeah. previous career as a musician, I was a collaborative pianist, which is a fancy way of saying an accompanist um, <laughs> and, and chamber musician. And right. I never wanted to be a soloist. Part of that is because I prefer Schubert to Chopin. Like both, mm -hmm. I like it better and I can play it better too. <laughs> But right. the best part was responding to another human and seeing how they approach a project, a piece of music or a piece of code that doesn't really matter so much. But when you're sitting there in a meeting, in a pair programming meeting with someone and you just say, hey, show me what you're doing or show me what you're struggling with, it, it's this, it can be this wonderful, like, if everyone comes into it with nothing to prove and with only the attitude of, hey, I want to build something, mm -hmm. then it doesn't become about you or about them. It becomes about the end result. Um, and sometimes the end result is like, well, we didn't figure it out, but we learned something. Sometimes the end result is my brain is fried and I did nothing but talk about my cats which is also okay because now you know that your coworker likes cats and you know that they're a nice person and you know that if you have a question about whatever they're working on tomorrow or next week or next month, you know their name and you know who to reach out to and they'll remember you and you'll get help faster. Mm -hmm. This is like 
so, so important. If I don't know who to ask for help, well, then that's my step zero that's missing, right? And that is a large part of what my team provides. If you don't know who to ask for help with deploying, come ask my team. And we might not have the answer, but we know who does. Right. So. Yeah, makes sense. We get together and like, and with pair programming, it's like you save so much time. I, I was writing something by myself. I'm struggling with Capistrano tasks right now. Um, don't ask me any details. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. But I'm running the specs and it says, this task doesn't exist. And I'm like, I, I just put it here. Why is it working in this other file, but not here? Well, it turns out that I'm relying too much on my dev tools and that doesn't work when you're dealing with domain specific languages. And Mm -hmm. the task I was calling was different from the one it was expecting because I was missing an underscore. Right. But if I had been pair programming, I wouldn't, I would probably not have spent 20 minutes trying to figure out what wasn't working, but like somebody else would have been there and been like, Hey, you have a typo. (laughs) right? Yep. Oh, Even just catching so typos, so valuable, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I've spent plenty of time debugging Capistrano stuff. So I feel you there. Uh, I, yeah. I don't, I, again, it's really good at what it does. <laughs> <laughs> that works. I also haven't done a whole lot with Ruby on Rails in the past two yeah. years. So this is, this has been really fun. I always like to say, well, I'm a platform infra engineer, so that means I know all of the programming languages really, really poorly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but your your uh, expertise and your ability to make a difference is in other places. So yeah, and and I do have a focus on Go as the tool I use to build the infrastructure automation. Gotcha. So it's it's kind of a yeah. fun mix. I I I don't mind it at all. <laughs> it's always awesome. a new challenge. Yep. I'm a little curious about your transition from musician to DevOps expert. Yeah. Um, Just to repeat your question a little bit, because you were breaking up somewhat. How did I get from music into DevOps? It's been a slightly longish story. I found, let's see, I found myself in a financially somewhat unsustainable situation with my music career. And it mostly boiled down to most of my income came from teaching piano, which is incredibly Mm -hmm. rewarding. And I did a really good job at it. And I loved my students. But what I really wanted to do as a musician was be a chamber musician, a chamber performer. And it's incredibly draining and incredibly difficult to break into that and make that a viable career. And I... Like I said, I found myself in a situation where I didn't really have the freedom to keep pushing towards that. And so I was like, well, I'm a self-employed piano teacher, which means I have to do everything myself, the marketing, the planning, the getting clients, the bookkeeping, the scheduling, everything. The the accounting, Mm -hmm. did I mention the accounting? I hated doing the accounting. (laughs) The buying of health insurance. So then I was like, well, what else is there? I live in Seattle. And when I mentioned something like this, I had a bunch of friends who were software engineers. 
And I mentioned something at one of their get-togethers and one of the other party guests said, hey, I know of this program. It's a bootcamp style program called Ada Developers Academy. Mm-hmm. And they are a programming school aimed at bringing women and uh, genderqueer folks into tech. And if you get into the program, which is hard, you don't have to pay tuition. So I looked into it and I applied. It's a year-long bootcamp style school that basically runs a full-stack web development program for five months. Then you build a project on your own for a month. And the really cool part is that they guarantee you an industry internship of also five months, Mm -hmm. which means by the time that you graduate, you have real life work experience and connections. And again, all of that for no tuition. So I had looked into programming a little bit for fun a couple of years before that and did some extremely rudimentary Python exercises. And I thought, you know, that's kind of interesting. So let's try it. And I applied and I didn't get in. And then I applied again and I didn't get in. (laughs) And then I said, you know what? I don't need no stinking boot camp. And I went and attended a couple community college programming classes because I was a piano teacher. Most of my workday was in the afternoon. I could attend regular classes at 10, 11 a.m. And then I applied again at Ada Developers Academy. And the third time I got in. And so I said goodbye to all my little students and told them I was really proud of them and hope they continue to play music and make the world a nicer place. And, and I did the boot camp, and then I did Ruby on rails and JavaScript for five months. And I built a little, built a little web app for my capstone project and showed up Mm -hmm. at my internship. And, um, my new boss said, Hey, glad to have you on board. Welcome to Kubernetes. And I said, Cooper, what? (laughs) Cloud computing has changed the way we live, do business and stay connected. With everyone using the same cloud platforms, winning and losing comes down to having the best talent to build products better and faster. So whether you're an aspiring innovator looking to level up or a business harnessing the transformative power of the cloud, tech skills and cloud certifications have never been more important. Cloud Academy has thousands of video courses, learning paths, practical hands-on labs, and real-world cloud environments and tools designed to help teams assess, build, and validate critical cloud skills. More importantly, Cloud Academy stays agile, challenging you with new content, labs, and tons of features that ensure your skills stay relevant and everyone can level up. They cover everything from major certifications to DevOps, security to programming languages. Cloud Academy is the cloud training platform of choice for Fortune 500 companies and thousands of tech professionals around the world. Don't just take their word for it. Check out the reviews on G2 and get started now at cloudacademy.com. For a limited time, our listeners can lock in a 50% off the monthly price for life just use the coupon code DEVOPS when checking out. It's a great way to pursue certifications or just cloud build expertise during this crazy time. Again, go to cloudacademy.com and use the coupon code DEVOPS to lock in 50% off the monthly price. And I got the incredibly awesome experience of being an intern at the cloud native computing team at Samsung SDS, which was a tiny 25-ish person research office. And I got to learn and explore and get taught by these, you know, wonderfully supportive Linux nerds who were just really, really into giving a handful of, you know, 
career changers from an underrepresented group their first experiences in tech. And it was a wonderful place to learn. I stayed there. I, I actually got hired, stayed there for about a year, and then I switched to GitHub. So yeah, that was not a nutshell. Again, I apologize. It's, it's, it's a bit of an interesting story. I often That's feel awesome. like I had to start over twice because it's like, the whole like Ruby on Rails stack, mm -hmm. and then having to be like, oh, stand up a Kubernetes cluster using Ansible and Terraform and AWS. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the main skill that transferred was how to use Git. Yep. I remember one of my first moments of pride at my internship was when we got a new uh, coworker who had never used Git before. So you know, they just hadn't worked at a place where they used that as a you know, yep. tool. And so it was awesome because they could ask me for help and there was something that I knew that I could share. And that's when I realized we're all specialists in something. Yep. So then, yeah. So then I commit. <laughs> so then KubeCon came up and I submitted a talk and I was thinking, well, I don't know a whole lot about Kubernetes and I'm really new to it, but maybe that makes me a specialist at being new to Kubernetes. So maybe I should submit a talk that says how to be a complete noob at Kubernetes. And uh, that talk wound up getting accepted. So that <laughs> now I look back at recordings from it. It's my first ever talk. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, why would I share that? Ah! But it was great. <laughs> yep. Well, it's like looking at your old code, right? Why would I do that? Well, <laughs> right? you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so funny story. We did, man, it was what, 2012, I think I want to say. Ruby Rogues did a, a little program where we were bringing in people. And I can't remember ex exactly what we offered them, but we had people apply to be uh, part of this Ruby newbie thing that we set up. Yeah. And Elise Worthy, who was the one of the founders of Ada Academy, was yeah. one of our one of our people that we selected. So Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. It's it's been a long time since I've seen her talk to her, but anyway. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's it's terrific to see people going out and contributing to the community that way. There's so many graduates now and it's a really supportive alumni community as well. There is a, actually, I should give a shout out to ADCon, which is a conference that started this year aimed at supporters, graduates, and friends of ADA Developers Academy mm -hmm. to, you know, bring the community together, share career advice, share experiences, and learn stuff together. It's yeah, again, the, it was inaugurated this year. It was one of the last in-person conferences that I attended in 2020. But 2021 is going to happen. It will be remote and have a slightly different structure. But if you are listening to this and you have a chance to check it out, you totally should. It's not limited to the ADA community. It's just mm -hmm. a general conference focused at it. Yep. Cool. Very cool. Well, I love getting the story and, and the background. Do you have any recommendations then for people who are new to Kubernetes? So I I feel uh, when people ask me this, I feel like I, uh, I, I kind of got put into the box of, you know, talk to Gwen. She's great at being new to Kubernetes. 
<laughs> Good <And> job, Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't really say that I am the specialist on that anymore. I am, I'm sure there are people who are newer, who have more accurate uh -huh. experiences of what it's like to be new. But I can give a few general pointers. One is don't be afraid to show up at community meetings. Get involved with the maintainer community. Go join the Kubernetes Slack. Ask questions. If no one answers, don't take it personally. Just ask again. Maintainers are really busy. They did not mean to ignore you. They probably just got distracted. When you open a pull request against any Kubernetes-owned repo, the same applies. If it gets ignored, go ask for help. If you don't know where to ask for help, ask the first person that you come across and they can pass you along. I'm, we are actively working on making it less necessary to be outspoken and, you know, making your own voice heard in order to become part of the community. I can also tell you that most people involved in the Kubernetes community really are cognizant of making it a friendly, open, and welcoming community. Mm -hmm. I do hear, this is not just me, my own experience has been somewhat special because I was lucky enough to get to meet and know the right kinds of people very, very early on. but. It should not be dependent on that. I don't believe it should. That's actually, a, you know, that's a very common mm -hmm. challenge for communities. But I do, I have heard from around the Kubernetes web, that's not a thing, um, <laughs> from, from the community and from other people that Kubernetes is really good at community. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's not, you, you, do, you don't have to, prove or get good or any of those things, there will be a place for almost everyone who's willing to help. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All and right. Code isn't the only contribution, right? Again, right. people contributions are really, really important too. If you're really more into people organizing, you can still be a Kubernetes maintainer. That's, that is not, being, being able to program is not a deal breaker. Deal breaker? It's not a prerequisite. There we go. Right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. If people want to connect with you, where, where do they find you? I am on Twitter at mm -hmm. Gwen Codes. That's G-U-I-N-C-O-D-E-S. That's a fairly quick way. And also I am under my name at GitHub. You can very cool. You can creep on my really, really old repos from programming school that are ancient <laughs> Ruby on Rails projects and have fun, I guess, <laughs> or maybe don't. <laughs> Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. Nice. Uh, All I, right. Well, the last se segment of the show is picks. And we yeah. just shout out about great stuff that 
that is out there. So I mentioned at the start of the show, I'll do some picks first, that I'm working on a podcasting course at podcastplaybook.co. And I'm also working on a basically how to become the most valuable developer on your team. And that's at mostvaluable.dev. Besides that, I finished listening to a book series called The Lightbringer series by Brent Weeks. It's a fantasy book series. Mm-hmm. And they are awesome. I really, really have enjoyed those. They were recommended to me by my friend who actually... <laughs> it's funny because he works for another fantasy author. He helps them manage their swag that they you can order from Brandon Sanderson's website. So... Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Brandon Sanderson lives like 15 minutes from here. And that yeah, short, short, long story is that they bought the house next door to them. And that's where they run all that stuff out of. And yeah, so he actually oh, invited wow. me over and gave me a tour of the Cosmere house. And then, and then, yeah, he mentioned Brent Weeks. And so I went and checked it out. Great series. So, yeah. That's, that's amazing. The the funny thing is, is that one of my managers actually knows Brandon Sanderson. His his side gig is being a writer. So oh, okay. my manager is not Brandon Sanderson. So that's obviously right. his main gig. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's really funny to hear that come around. The world is really really small. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know people that know Brandon. So yeah, but. gosh. I had misunderstood what picks means. So I will need a minute to think about that. Nope, it's all good. I'll throw out one more pick then while you're thinking. So my father-in-law, he's actually a funny story. So he's he's a general contractor and he's actually been remodeling my mom's kitchen. Just, yeah, for weirds, right? So he's working for my mom. And he was here the other day and we were watching shows and, you know, because my wife was hanging out with some friends and he mentioned eureka which is this it's it's not a currently running show but it's basically this town full of geniuses and all this stuff and anyway i've i've only watched a couple of episodes but i've really been enjoying that so i'm going to shout out about that as well it is on amazon prime if i remember right that's where i'm watching it so pick that one too awesome cool yeah so I would like to, I would like to give a, you know, first of all, I would like to give a huge shout out to the entire Ada Academy community, the alumni, the teachers, the staff, and all of my colleagues who are walking the path and doing and finding their own voice in technology. I also want to do a huge shout out to everyone who's not part of that community and trying to find their voice and starting out in technology. And one of the things, this kind of goes back to what I was talking earlier a little bit, is if you find someone that you look up to, either via an open source community or via tech Twitter or other kinds of communities that you are part of, especially nowadays, where most of our social contact is on the internet. Reach out to them and ask them if they might be willing to collaborate with you on a project. I have several people that I pair program with on a regular basis. This, this, is, not, this is not an invitation to reach out to me personally because I am currently incredibly busy, but this is an invitation to reach out to others and do some work together. 
because it can unblock you. It can lead to interesting conversations. It can lead to you just crimming on their favorite, you know, shortcuts using bash. Um, right. I just want in general, I want technology to be more of a community process. And that means getting together with other humans and sharing the work mm-hmm. in real time. Yeah. Yeah. And if we have time, I can share one more story about do it. Do a it. sticker. Okay. So a few years ago, while I was in boot camp, GitHub put out these stickers with the Octocat in all sorts of different roles. I, I don't know. There's like one with like, you know. There are tons of those. There, there's so many times. of them. There's one yeah. eating ice cream. There's just like one on the computer in a hoodie. And there was the Octomom sticker, which is a Octocat with three Octokittens. And she is on a computer typing while also trying to like keep her three kids out of trouble. They're spilling food and breaking toys all over and around her. And when I was in programming school, I was the single mom of a five-year-old. And I saw that sticker. Somebody just brought a pack to school and I saw that sticker and it spoke to my soul. And I put it on my laptop. And then later I attended my first tech conference, KubeCon Austin, and had a booth there. And I walked up to the booth And I said, hey, I just landed my first job and my new work computer does not have the sticker on it. And I need that sticker. You know, the one, the one with the mom and the three kittens and the person at the booth who was uh, Sydney Miller, who is an amazing talent partner, by the way, shout out there. Hi, Sydney. She, she said, oh yeah, I totally know that sticker. And then she looked through her stack and she didn't have it. And she kept searching the entire booth and she couldn't find it. And then she said, you know what? I'm just going to send you the entire pack of stickers and some extra swag. How old's your kid? And she sent, you know, so she sent a swag pack to my house. I I was not working at GitHub at this time at all. And so that was really cool. So I had that sticker on my laptop. And then a few months later, I got a message from that same person, Sydney, saying like, hey, so uh, I, uh, I was wondering if you might be interested in working at GitHub. Uh, remember me from KubeCon. <laughs> and so that it had turned out that my then manager had talked to Sydney about, hey, this person looks interesting. Can we hire her? And Sydney said, oh my God, I know her. So it was because of a sticker maybe that I have my current job. And this is kind of why I'm saying, don't be afraid to reach out to people and make connections, even over the silliest things, because we all need to be silly sometimes. And we all have moments where we're being productive and useful and silliness can lead to other things and vice versa. So you should own it. You should go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, just to back up onto that, I mean... I can't tell you how many opportunities have come my way just from the people that I've met, people that I've gotten to know, sometimes through podcasts, sometimes at conferences, sometimes because we were speaking at the same event, sometimes because I went to a local meetup and we just wound up chatting, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be a little thing. It just has to be a human thing. 
Right. Right. And, and I do think that is the secret sauce that we need when we build teams, when we give support, and also when we build tools for people, because somebody who doesn't feel comfortable with you is never going to share with you what they really need from your tool. They're going to make demands and you're going to tell them no, because you don't like to be treated that way. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's funny to me how when I was in music school, I had a harpsichord teacher who was extremely soft-spoken and extremely experimental. And uh-huh. it never felt like she was actually teaching me specifics when I was in a lesson with her. And then I came out of my lesson and a few days later, things just magically started clicking and I sounded Uh better and I wasn't even entirely sure what had happened. It was just this weird thing where I trusted her. So she didn't have to waste a whole lot of time explaining why she wanted me to do something a certain way. (laughs) It was, it was, it was, I thought it was magic at the time, but now I look back and I'm like, nope, nope. That, that was just, realizing that the human connections are ultimately what makes this work. So true. That is so true. All right. Well, yeah, we're getting close to the end of our time, but I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. I'm sorry that Jeff had to jump off, but this was really great. And hopefully people get some ideas about how they can, you know, work with and through their infrastructure and platform teams or personnel and make it work with their developers and other contributors to really just, you know, pull things together. Because a lot of times I know organizations have problems getting the two groups to work well together. And there's just been a ton of terrific advice in here. So thank you for that. Yeah, sure. I I really, really enjoy what I do. And I would want everyone to have this opportunity to work together like this. It's, you know, not every day is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) And not every question I get is friendly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but when it is, it's just the best because then it just becomes a fun puzzle that you work out together. And it is my true belief that this is also the best way the not just not just the nicest way but the most efficient and effective way of working together and Mm -hmm. approaching infrastructure makes sense all right well folks we're gonna end it here and until next time max out bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.